The Trans Cult's Diabolical Quest for Cultural Hegemony. Recently, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, University of Virginia Children's Hospital, Boston Children's Hospital, Vanderbilt University Medical Center's Transgender Health Clinic, and Akron Children's Hospital have been under fire for engaging in experimental cross-sex hormone doping on gender-confused teens, some effects of which are risky and irreversible, and for performing mutilating surgeries on the healthy sexual anatomy of minors. These Mengele-esque procedures are beginning to pierce the consciences of Americans. While the growing outrage over what scores of hospitals and gender clinics are doing is a very good thing, it's troubling that it's taken this long. Seven years ago, I wrote about Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago performing a double mastectomy on a 17-year-old girl from Grays Lake, Illinois, whose birth name is Emily Paschal. How many more healthy breasts of minors have surgeons at Lurie lopped off since 2015? The doctor who began Emily, now Emmett, on her path to affirming her metaphysical confusion via drugs was the infamous and ubiquitous homosexual Dr. Robert Garofalo, who was profiled in a 2015 article titled The Change Agent, published in Chicago Magazine. The profile reveals that Lurie's lurid clinic was the brainchild of activist Garofalo, and I quote from that article, Garofalo's clinic, one of only 25 of its kind in the nation and the first to open in the Midwest, is pushing the boundaries of treatments for the growing population of transgender kids. In the past, patients this young were often directed through corrective therapy to more gender-typical behaviors. Garofalo and his 25-person team take a much different approach. They aid these patients in transitioning, end quote. Garofalo believes he's helping confused children who often suffer from comorbidities like autism spectrum disorder, anxiety, and depression. He thinks he's helping them become their authentic selves. By authentic selves, Garofalo is referring to what their confused, troubled minds desire years before their brain is fully developed. Chicago Magazine writes about one patient of Garofalo, a boy that is an actual boy, who was named David at birth, then became J, J-A-E, in 2013, then became Diana in 2015 when Garofalo recommended he start doping estrogen. And I quote, It wasn't until she was 12 and saw an episode of Oprah about transgender women that she realized her situation was more complicated. She asked her mom to make an appointment with Garofalo. The doctor immediately put her on Lupron, a treatment for prostate cancer and fibroid tumors that also happens to suppress puberty, end quote. As with so many adolescents today, David diagnosed himself. Prior to starting David J. Diana on the estrogen doping regimen, Garofalo gave him and his mother, Lisa Salas, the requisite consent form, and I quote from the article, There are a lot of wishy-washy statements here, Garofalo continues as he hands them the form. That's because there haven't been many studies on the long-term effects of estrogen on young people. He pauses to look at Diana's mother. I wish I could tell you everything that's going to happen, but I can't. There's just so much that we don't know yet. End quote. And with that, the diabolical Garofalo proceeded. 
Lurie was initially leery of Garofalo's proposed gender clinic, but J.B. Pritzker's deep-pocketed, burly, cross-dressing cousin, James-slash-Jennifer Pritzker, made sure it was possible. Quote, Leading the way through this uncharted water is Garofalo, a 49-year-old HIV-positive cancer survivor who readily admits he doesn't have all the answers. Since he opened the clinic, thanks to a significant grant matched by Lurie from a foundation run by Jennifer Pritzker, the billionaire investor and philanthropist who came out as transgender in 2013, Garofalo has emerged as a leader in the adolescent transgender field. He travels the world to speak on the topic, is regularly brought in by medical schools and hospitals to train young pediatricians, and serves as a primary investigator on a National Institutes of Health research grant focusing on transgender people, end quote. For those who don't know, the Pritzkers are essential members of the cabal to socially construct their deviant beliefs about transgenderism, or what investigative journalist Jennifer Bilek calls, more accurately, synthetic sex identities, in every corner of American life. If you go to this article online, there's a link to her expose. Chicago Magazine gets nervily close to indicting Garofalo's disturbing vision for gender-confused youth, but ultimately bails by using the passive voice to avoid saying who questions Garofalo's actions. And I quote, Garofalo's treatments have to be seen as a radical form of medical improvisation, and that scares some folks, end quote. Garofalo has historically been an outlier in the unholy quest to harm children. Quote, both the Endocrine Society and the World Professional Association for Transgender Health recommend waiting until patients are 16 to begin them on cross-sex hormone treatment. But Garofalo and other doctors at the clinic will start patients as young as 14 on hormones. Garofalo has had patients as young as 15 undergo top surgery, end quote. Remember, this article was written over seven years ago. Matt Walsh recently exposed a Vanderbilt University Medical School doctor admitting that disfiguring minors makes big bucks for medical schools, not to mention counselors, endocrinologists, pediatricians, surgeons, and the maker of Lupron. If you go to this article online, you can watch a very short video of that professor making that statement. But Garofalo and his minions at Lurid make sure they squeeze money out of everyone they can to fund their dirty work. And I quote again from Chicago Magazine, Transgender treatments aren't cheap. Lupron, for example, costs $8,500 to $18,000 a year. But Garofalo works with his patients, including those on Medicaid, to help get insurance companies to cover the medications. Nearly every patient who comes through the door gets a denial initially from their insurance, says Ginny Scheffler, the clinic's nurse, who spends a good bit of her time writing appeals on behalf of patients. But even those without coverage can get treatment at Lurie thanks to private donations, including one from the Chicago transgender filmmaker Lana Wachowski of The Matrix fame, end quote. Because of the profitability of creating synthetic sex identities for minors, because of the social contagion nature of trans identification, 
because of the terror instilled in parents by profiteers and ideologues, and because of the collaborationist silence of those who know this movement is evil, a low estimate of the number of children ages 6 to 17 who were diagnosed with gender dysphoria in just 2021 is over 42,000. That is, 42,000-plus children who are being exploited and harmed for profit and for the social and political goals of adults who want to normalize their perverse desires. And now we have public elementary schools reading picture books to little ones that affirm leftist beliefs about cross-sex impersonation. We have public libraries dragging in drag queens to read stories to toddlers. We have policies that enable teachers to keep secrets from parents about their children's cross-sex impersonation at school. We have an organization committed to finding trans-complicit adults to appropriate wayward, confused children from their parents. And perhaps the most alarming recent development is a bill sponsored by deviant California State Representative Scott Weiner and signed into law by Governor Gavin Narcissus Newsom that empowers California courts to strip parents from other states of custody if a non-parental person takes the parent's child to California and arranges for the child to receive gender transition procedures. Transcultism did not emerge on the cultural scene suddenly in the last two years. It didn't emerge suddenly in 2015 after the disastrous Obergefell Supreme Court decision. Transcultism has been metastasizing for decades, destroying the hearts, minds, and bodies of children and teens, corrupting schools, shattering families, undermining First Amendment rights, and sexually integrating private spaces and sports. Illinois Family Institute has been warning about it for almost 15 years, and so we have been watching with mixed feelings the long-anticipated, prayed-for, and longed-for anti-trans cult movement grow. We are thankful that at last parents and others on both sides of the political aisle are speaking out against the evil of trans cultism. We are also sad and frustrated that it has taken so long for Americans in large numbers to speak out against this evil. Consequently, untold numbers of children have been grievously and irreparably harmed. One of my first articles after being hired by IFI in the fall of 2008 was about lesbian Laurel Dykstra, who had written a how-to article on ideologically grooming preschoolers into the trans cult. Her article, titled Trans-Friendly Preschool, was published in 2005. My article, titled Soulless Teaching, summarizes Dykstra's suggestions for indoctrinating preschoolers. Here are some of the claims and recommendations Dykstra, now a pastor, made 17 years ago. See if anything sounds familiar now. She said that the gender binary system is harmful to everyone. She moralized that, quote, it is not enough for classrooms, teachers, and schools to be open or non-judgmental. They need to be actively transpositive. Dykstra recommended that when talking to preschoolers, teachers should say things like, quote, well, most men have penises, but some don't, and some girls grow up to be men, end quote. She urged teachers to, quote, encourage kids to question their assumptions how do you know that person is a woman? Could a man wear a dress? End quote. 
She instructed teachers to, quote, call children by the name and the pronouns they choose, end quote. She said that 17 years ago. She recommended accessorizing classrooms with a, quote, tranny teddy, have a non-gendered toy doll puppet, do not use pronouns, and give this creature a variety of gendered clothing, such as a skirt and tie. If asked, say, oh, Binker isn't a boy or a girl, end quote. She suggested having a, quote, butch femme day. Why not teach kids language like butch femme as an alternative to boy girl or male female? You could have dress-up days to play deliberately with gender, like fabulous and fearless day or capable and campy, end quote. She encouraged teachers to, quote, invite a drag performer or transsexual person who would be willing to share their story and a photo album, end quote. When reading picture books to preschoolers, Dykstra recommended, quote, switching pronouns, avoiding them altogether, or using alternative pronouns, end quote. And Dykstra rationalized using deceit in the face of parental opposition, quote, for stealth practitioners, that is, teachers in a transphobic setting, these classroom suggestions can be implemented without fanfare to create a more just and welcoming classroom, end quote. Again, these suggestions were made 17 years ago. I reviewed her recommendations again in a 2018 article titled Queering Government Schools Just Say No. In 2017, when leftists everywhere were promoting the specious claim that the American Academy of Pediatrics supports the social, chemical, and surgical transitioning of minor children and teens, I wrote an article exposing the disturbing way the AAP developed its position on the treatment of gender dysphoric children. That article titled, Do 66,000 Pediatricians Really Support the AAP's Trans-Affirmative Policy? It outlines the secret process by which the AAP ensured its policy would reflect only leftist views. The following year, 2018, I wrote an article titled, quote, 55 members of the American Academy of Pediatrics devised destructive trans policy exposing in greater detail the position of the AAP Select Committee on Harming Children through profitable but medically unsubstantiated protocols. By the way, Lurid's creepy Dr. Robert Garofalo has been instrumental in the social construction and imposition of the AAP's non-science-based trans-affirming policy. In 2017, five years ago, I wrote an article titled Things You Don't Hear About Gender Dysphoria, which lists 13 bulleted facts about gender dysphoria in minors and the health risks and grotesque nature of the treatments from which hospitals are profiting handsomely. There are steps churches, parents, and other concerned citizens can take to begin to undo the damage done by synthetic sex identitarians and their apostles. In addition to removing your children from schools that affirm synthetic sex identities, you can watch and discuss three documentaries with your children and in church youth groups. They are Disconnected, the real story behind the transgender explosion, Whose Children Are They, and What is a Woman? If you go to this article online, there are links to all three documentaries.